The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The human mind, body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine, and we can learn to use them in new and powerful ways to create the life we've always dreamed of. On our program today, with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon, we'll address who you are, how to come to know what you believe and why, how to accept and love yourself, and how you can make changes that help you create the empowered, happy, successful life you want. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I am absolutely delighted to have you join us today. We have a very interesting show today. We're going to be talking about commitment. Now, we talk about commitment, especially in relationships, but also about commitment to our job, to a cause, to some goals. So the question arises, how important is it to be committed? If you were asked to rate your marriage, for example, on a commitment scale of 1% to 100%, How would you answer that? How committed are you to your job? Is there something, anything in your life that you feel fully committed to? How different is it to you to have something you are fully committed to and to do something you have to do? Is there something in your life that quickens your pulse, that gets the juices flowing and really awakens your creativity? Is there something that you hate to put down at night and can't wait to get to in the morning? Now, what is commitment anyway, and how important is it in your life? We're going to talk about that today with the author of a new book, Commit to Win, How to Harness the Four Elements of Commitment to Reach Your Goals. Heidi Reeder is an associate professor in the Department of Communication at Boise State University and a Carnegie Foundation Professor of the Year. She has authored and co-authored articles for leading communication journals such as Communication Monographs, Sex Roles, and the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships. She regularly provides workshops on communication, commitment, language, and gender. She holds degrees in communication from the University of Oregon, Stanford University, and my personal favorite, Arizona State University. As the owner of Success Tracks, her mission is to help individuals communicate with confidence and authenticity and maximize their personal and professional success. I encourage you to go to the Self-Improvement blog to read her bio, see her picture, read the review of her book, and watch the videos in the right sidebar. 
Her videos are outstanding. She was a guest at TED Talks, which is, in my opinion, one of the best presentation places you can be seen. Um, she also has two radio broadcasts, uh, t- TV broadcasts, uh, one on the Today Show. So she comes extremely well credentialed. It is such a pleasure to introduce to the Self Improvement Show Heidi Reader. Heidi, welcome. Thank you so much, Irene. I appreciate being here with you. Oh, I am excited about what we're going to be talking about today because, you know, we don't talk much about commitment. I don't think I've had a guest talk about commitment on this show before. We talk about goals and purpose and everything else except how committed we are to them. (laughs) Tell us about yourself. Who is Heidi Reader? Yeah, well... um you read a lot of credentials in the in the introduction there. Yeah, but that's um, not who you are necessarily. <laughs> right. Right. And so I think, you know, in trying to think how to answer that question, I guess I have to think about, you know, my purpose. And so I do the things that I do, um, teaching at the university and teaching in organizations and writing blogs and writing books. I do the things that I do because um, I like living a reflective life and a life where I'm really considering what are the choices that I'm making and are they leading me uh, in the direction that is creating a meaningful life for myself and then using the information that I find to be able to share with college students, with people who work in organizations or just general readers um, of my blog at Psychology Today. That's, that's what makes my life meaningful. And, and you're helping a lot of people. I, I know that from reading your book. Tell us a little more about what you do. You teach communications at Boise State University. What, you know, what do you address in this course? Communications of all kinds or do you have something more specific? And yeah. then tell us what Success Tracks is. Sure, sure. The, I would say the main theme in my communication courses are taking ownership for your own perspective. You know, we all learn how to talk, you know, at a very young age, or most of most of us do. And um, but the ways that we learn to communicate aren't necessarily the ways that are going to be the most effective, that are going to bring us the most connection with people, that are going to bring us the most um, self-empowerment. And so I like to help um, students and professionals question how are they, what kind of words are they using? What is their body saying? Are they getting across the message and creating the kind of connection they really want to create? And are they feeling confident and good about themselves at the end of an interaction or are they feeling, you know, does it, I kind of have this, this theory that any interaction on our day can really make our day or break our day. And so let's pay attention to, you know, what, what's that about and what very specific factors can we change to, to make a difference in how we're relating with the people in our world. Now, I know that you went into college and declared your major as communication. What in, in your growing up process made you become so interested in communication? Um, Well, my story, I think, is similar to a lot of people's story in that my parents got divorced when I was seven years old. And um, I think for any child, that experience, it just makes you wonder, you know, what, what went wrong? What went wrong? And so I was interested first in majoring in psychology. But what I found, at least at the university I went to, was it was more about the synapses in the brain and how they work and the chemistry of the body and that kind of thing. And I was really interested in very practical takeaways. And I got that with my communication uh, focus. So what can we actually do differently? How can, how can we actually understand our environment in ways that we can be more proactive in our environment? 
and how can we say what we really mean, you know, in a way that people can understand it. Right. It has to be under underneath that because one of the huge con- contributors to divorce is inability to communicate. Yeah, or communicating in ways that really discount the other person. Um, oh, yeah. You know, that actually break that that relationship down bit bit by bit. Interesting. Let me ask you this. You teach communication, but you wrote a book about commitment. <laughs> what compelled you to write about commitment? Yeah, that's a really that's a really good question. Um, I guess I wanted to go a layer underneath because I think that when I'm committed to something, I'm going to actually communicate about it in a very different way than when I'm not committed. If I'm committed in my marriage, I'm going to communicate in a different way than if I'm not committed in my marriage. If I'm committed to my goals, then I'm going to talk about them in a different way than if I'm just like doing them because I think that's what a good person is supposed to do. So I just wanted to dive one layer underneath so that was that was factor one. The second factor is that I came across this research that was just so compelling. And I just thought, I can't believe that there's research that predicts how committed we'll be to the various things in our lives. And nobody knows about this research. Nobody knows there's actually a formula that predicts how committed we'll be. I, I, I just felt like I wanted I wanted to share that I found that out. I found some of your research findings extremely interesting, but let's talk about that formula. You have a formula commit uh, for commitment. I saw you put it on the board, and it's very clear when you can see it in front of you, when you can see the equation. I, I know you can explain that, even if you can't dam- diagram it for the listeners. Tell us what your formula for commitment is. Yeah. Um, I'd be happy to. And I should say that it's, you know, it's a formula that I'm bringing to public awareness, but it's really based on years and years of first uh, economic research and then sociology uh, researchers got involved and then social psychologists got involved. And then I got my hands on it and put it in a way that I think is a more user-friendly formula. It's very (laughs) user-friendly. In fact, I'm thinking, you know, this makes absolute sense. And a lot of books that are presenting ideas on subjective subjects like commitment, you know, they get all involved in a lot of language that people don't use every day. Yours does not, and it, it it really comes to me to where the rubber meets the road. Is it, ah, you know, here's what commitment is. Here's you know what what you need. Anyway, I'm interrupting you. What's no, your formula? No, I appreciate that because because that's yeah. I kind of I, I heard this once, and I totally think there's value to it. That if you have to use jargon, maybe you don't actually know what you're talking about. So whenever you know what I mean, and as an academic, you know I know how tempting it is to just default to the terminology of the field that you're studying. But I wanna I want us all to be able to be in on this information. So. So the terminology that I use, it goes like this. Um, There are four elements that in their own way predict how committed we'll be. And this is, again, scientifically, um, you know, statistically significant. So I call them treasures, troubles, contributions, and choices. And when we're really committed, we have a high level of how much we treasure something. We don't focus on how troubling and difficult it can be. We've already contributed a lot of ourselves to it, and we don't see that we have a lot of other choices. 
And so if you were to imagine an equation, it would be treasures minus troubles. How much do I treasure it minus how difficult and annoying is it? Plus how much have I already contributed? How much have I given of my time, of my talent, of my heart? Um, minus how many other choices do I see that look really good? Alternatives that tempt me away from my original commitment. And uh, that's that's the short version. <laughs> And, and it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, when you're really excited about something and, and you're really committed to it, it doesn't matter what you have to go through to do it. You know, you can stay up later than you ever stayed up. You can work harder than you've ever worked, uh, yada, yada, to do that. But if you don't like it, you can't really make much effort at all. No, exactly right. And, and and it has to be in balance. A lot of times we think, well, if I just like it as much as I don't like it, if it's about a 50-50, you know, I feel really good about working towards this goal of opening my company, but there's an equal amount of difficulties, that doesn't actually work. We have to actually treasure it a lot more than we find it troubling. And so part of about part of working with the equation is about making changes in our environment in order to make that happen or making mental changes, changing how we focus, changing where we put our attention in order to um, reach our goals, especially those that take a long time. You know, commitment kind of gets, you know, um, it's not as sexy sounding as motivation. But no, motivation, no. Right? But What's the difference between motivation and commitment? Yeah. So motivation is I, I, uh, the treasures outweigh the troubles right in this moment, and I'm going to go out and do it right now. Right. Commitment yeah, yeah. is over time, that's true, but also I've invested a lot in this already and I'm going to keep going even on the difficult days. And I don't see that I have a lot of other options. I'm unwilling to look at the other options. And so I keep going even on the difficult days. Motivation is really much more about, oh, I feel rewarded by doing this. You know, I, I joke, uh, some people say, oh, so are you a motivational speaker? And I say, no, because mot a motivational speaker, you go and you listen to the motivational speaker and then like two hours later, you're like, what did he say? I was feeling so good an hour ago, you know? So I'm a commitment speaker. I want our us to be able to get into the long-term process of what it takes to create a great relationship, a great company, a great team. It's time for us to take a little break. We're going to come back and talk about that more later with Heidi Reader. So please stay tuned for more. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com There are 13 unbreakable habits of truly enlightened people. These life-changing habits are discussed on Dream the Life, Live the Dream with Dr. Yomi Garnett. We'll offer an excursion in self-discovery along with wisdom that will allow you to stay on the correct path toward your destiny. You can find excellence in your life. Tune in every Thursday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time. That's 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for this exciting transformational journey. When you make decisions, do you ever find yourself in doubt? Are you trying to figure out what's right with you? Are you ready to truly change your life? 
Listen for the Access Consciousness Radio Show with the founders of Access Consciousness, Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane Heer. Consciousness is all about including everything and judging nothing. Our program will help you break free from your personal limitations and enhance positive change in all areas of your life. Tune in to Access Consciousness, Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Heidi Reeder. We're talking about commitment, uh, the four elements of commitment, actually. Heidi, you talk about the four elements of commitment to reach your goals, and you've, ta- you've mentioned goals. A number of times this presupposes that everybody has some goals is this a supposition we can make <laughs> that's a great point and I do I use the word goals a little bit differently than some people do um, some people might think of a goal and this is totally accurate but you know my goal is that I want to make sure to work out today so it's just what am I going to do today is you know something I need to get done or something like that but I think that we, we have goals often that we don't even identify as goals. So, for example, I want a long-term loving partnership. Now, do I frame that as a goal? Not necessarily. Yeah. But if you think about it, it is something that I work towards or that I should work towards, right? It's not just going to happen, right? And it requires commitment from me. I have a goal, or maybe I don't even think of it as a goal, but I want a fulfilling career that reflects my skills and where I'm able to give a lot, you know, in the areas where I have strengths. Okay. So I might not frame that as a goal, but it is a goal in a way. It's just not something I've consciously thought of as a goal. And so that's what commitment is all about is what are the things that maybe we haven't even considered in our lives yet, but turn out to be really, truly just foundational and important to us. Let me ask you this, you know, yeah, we know, we know we need to be committed to a a relationship, even though we don't have goals, but are there levels to this commitment? You know, what are the levels of commitment and what does really being fully committed look like? That's a great question. A lot of times we think about commitment as you're either committed or you're not. And if you listen to our language, that's what we make it sound like. So are you guys committed? Yes, no, right? It's that kind of thing. Or, hey, team, you got to be committed. Uh, Like they're just going to decide and it's going to be all on or all off. 
But if you really think about your own life and take a more reflective look, I think you'll see that commitment really is more on a scale and that we can even be much more committed to something one day than we are to the next. And so if you ask yourself, how committed to, to, to my job am I? You might say, well, um, on a scale of one to 10, maybe six. Okay, well, how committed to my organization am I? Well, to my organization, maybe I'm committed an eight. In fact, I'd like to have a different job at the same organization, right? So, well, how committed to am I to my career? Oh, well, that's like, I don't really care about that. Maybe that's lower and so on. And so it can be very much levels. And so I think I really liked your introduction at the beginning where you said, when you know you're at level 10 is when it, it's almost like the commitment is carrying you. You're not having to will yourself to do what you need to do. And of course, there's going to be a lot of days where we do have to just will ourselves to do what we need. Oh, to do. yeah. But aren't those moments wonderful where it's almost like the commitment is carrying us, where we know where we need to go and we know that we want to be there. And it just feels like a, a part of our lives to to get that exercise in. When we get yeah, to the- you almost can't get enough of it. You can't put enough of yourself into it. Which means also that you have to drop some other commitments, right? Because oh. we can't be 100% committed to everything. You're I mean, kidding. I know. <laughs> we think we can. We think we can, right? I mean, and when people say they're overcommitted, I think what they're really saying is they're overobligated. And so the question is, well, wait, what am I really committed to? And now how can I start making conscious choices around that? And how do you make conscious choices around that? I have four things I absolutely love to do. I can't do all four. Right. How do I decide which one? I mean, let's, I, I'm thinking in my own mind that I'm 100% committed. I probably am not to right. all four. Uh, that's 400% you know, commitment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 how do, how do I decide? Yeah, and we're and we're always committed. Like I, I play tennis about once a month, and I'm committed to playing it once a month. You see what I mean? Now somebody else, gotcha. that's not really somebody else's hundred percent would be daily, right? But right, I tennis, and uh, at the moment, that's what I can give to it. Once a month is what I can give to it right now. I wish it were more, and in another part of my life, it will be more. But I've made the choice that right now in my life, what's more important is getting my blog done on time, right, for example, or getting my my classes prepared on time, that that's the commitment that's going to take more of my time right now. So I think we have to think about what is most meaningful for my life right now and that will also set me up for a more meaningful life in the future. And those are tough decisions to make. Those are very tough decisions to make. So how do you identify what it is you're really committed to? Are, are there you know, certain things that need to be present? Um, is there some kind of a checklist? <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there kind of is. Um, in, in the back of the book, Commit to Win, I have something, I have some sections called action pages. Oh, that's it, so yummy too. Yes, isn't that fun? <laughs> and it's an area where you can, you can try out a commitment and, and take it through a, some questions and some activities to see if it's something that you want to go all in with or if it's something that maybe you want to start to let go of. And so you ask questions like this. So what do I specifically treasure about this occupation? Let's, let's just take an occupation for an example. Okay. What do I really treasure about this occupation? What are the rewards that I get from it? What are the benefits? What are the things that um, 
I just really feel good and, and that I just enjoy and I would miss if, they, if I didn't have them in my life. Okay, now are there ways to increase those? Okay, maybe there are, maybe there aren't. So let's go on to troubles now. What's really troubling me about this? Is there someone in the environment that I'm not getting along with? Is, is the pay not what I want? Uh, are there repetitive conflicts or, you know, I don't know quite what my role is. What are the downsides? Now, what, what of those can I actually fix? Can I do anything about these? And if I can't, can I learn to accept them? Now, at that point, we're already getting a pretty good picture. And, you know, I think we have those things floating around in our heads a lot. But to actually put it down on paper and to actually look at it and say, what can I do something about and what can't I? And then move on to contributions. Okay, what have I already given? You know, what some people will find out is the only reason they're still committed to something is because they've already given so much to it. Well, I got a bunch of training in this job, and oh, I became a partner, and well, now I've already, you know, got my parking pass, and you know, whatever it might be, yeah. now I have to stay, you know, um, and or I made some friends there, and now even though I hate the job, let's say, I've just contributed so much that I don't feel like I can leave. Well, now I can start to take a look at that. Is that good enough? Is that good enough to just keep going based on what I've contributed in the past? Or is this somewhere I want to keep contributing in the future? Because every contribution I make makes me more and more committed. So if I'm somewhere that I really don't want to be, if I'm committed to friends I don't want to be committed to, or um, in, a, in a job that's going nowhere, I probably want to actually pull back on some of those things that I've been contributing. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Let's say I go through this and I, you know, I realize that this is really the best place for me to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it for for so many reasons. Yeah. And yet I'm really I'm really not fully committed to it. I can't quite get over that last hurdle of whatever it is of commitment. Can I create a greater degree of commitment within myself? How would I go about doing that? You know, like I really want to do this, but yeah, something in yeah. me really doesn't want to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. So the number one thing that I would say is to make an investment and I mean an actual investment. So if you want to be committed to something, let's take working out. For example, I want to start working out more. One of the great things that you can do is start making investments in that activity because that will start to carry you. You'll sort of feel obligated within yourself to follow up on it. So let's say I get myself a running partner. Let's say I get myself a new pair of shoes. Um, let's say that I um, go on Facebook and I tell everybody that I'm going to start this you know, workout routine. I start to create conditions that make me feel like I need to follow through so that even on the days I don't really want to follow through, I still think that I need to follow through. And usually once we start, I mean, just taking a step is so important. Once we start something, then it becomes, can become part of our identity. Okay. So I'm the kind of person who joins a running group, talks about it on Facebook, buys myself new shoes. Now it's part of my identity and it will be easier to actually move forward with it. If I find that, you know, I've been committed, I've done the job, but it's really, you know what? I'm just really tired of this. I, I need something new. I, I need some more, I need to get excited about something new. How do I pull away? How can, can I pull away from a, 
a huge commitment and and step down to getting into something new, maybe altogether different. How do you go about doing that? I yeah. know it starts with a decision at right. some level, but how do I how do I make that kind of transition and feel comfortable within myself? Yeah, and, and uh, it probably bears saying what the definition of commitment is. I'm not sure that we mentioned that yet, but the definition of commitment that I use in the book is um, a psychological attachment to something and the intent to continue. And so it can be problematic if I'm psychologically attached to, let's say, this job that I have, even though I'm psychologically attached to it and I'm intending to continue, let's say I'm really bored with it and it's just not giving me the same rewards. I'm getting maybe too good at it, actually. So, yeah, how do I, I call it reframing your commitment. So maybe my commitment is not just to this job, but maybe it's to growth. Maybe it's to development. Now, how do I bring that commitment into my commitment at work? One of the biggest things to do is to start looking at your other choices. So start talking with people in your department. Start looking at what other people are doing in your community. Start uh, reading some of the literature in your field. You may be able to incorporate, once you realize you have choices, you may be able to adjust what you're really attached to and have it be more reflective of what you want in your life today. And when you feel comfortable with your decision, you can move on. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, when you feel comfortable with your decision, when you've started to let go of, you know, whatever it was about that first thing you were so attached to, and you start to see that you really have other options, then you can begin to move in a new direction. You know, sometimes we just automatically assume that we don't have any choices, right? Don't we? I mean, we We do. You know, I'm in this relationship, I'll probably never find another relationship if it ends. I have this job and I'll never find another job if this ends. Or this group of friends, if I leave them, I'll never find another group of friends. You know, that is a uh, sort of a, a, a mental myth, right? That if we want to be committed to the right thing, we have to be willing to believe that there is a right thing. And we have to be willing to let go of the old thing. Absolutely. And on that note, it's time for us to take another break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Heidi Reeder saying stay tuned. We're going to be back with more. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Learn all about sexuality, science, and spirituality and the connection between all three. Tune in to the Tantric Lounge with one of Australia's foremost sex therapists and expert in love and intimacy, Jacqueline Hillier. Our program is all about the art and science of sex for the thinker and explorer. Get more out of your sex life than you've ever imagined. Come visit the Tantric Lounge every Thursday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's sex like you've never experienced. Every one of us confronts challenges that rock our world to the core, making us confused and disoriented, not knowing which way is up. On The Mother Rising, host Margaret Jacobson will nourish that spark that enlivens. You will be both empowered and inspired to create the changes leading you on your path to your own true freedom. Discover your worth and what you are capable of. Tune into The Mother Rising every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Heidi Reeder. We are talking about commitment. Heidi, in your book, you talk about the, the effect negative events versus positive events have on our mood and that there's a necessary ratio between them if we're to maintain balance. This was new news to me and really very interesting. Talk about that in relation to both jobs and relationships. What's the ratio we need to have to maintain balance? Yeah, so to be satisfied, and this is really interesting research, both out of people who study relationships and also folks that study our emotions in the workplace. And what they find is that in order for us to be satisfied, we can't have an equal number of positive and negative events. Really, the best ratio to feel in balance is to have five positive events for every one negative event, or that is every sort of five, you know, for every uh, one nasty look you give your spouse, say, you would need to make it up with five (laughs) caresses, right? Or every one negative, you know, customer complaint on the phone, you'd want to have five customer compliments to kind of balance it out. And we see this repeated again and again in the research. And it, it seems to go back to that old idea that the negative is stronger than the positive, which Sounds like bad news at the outset, right? Like, why would that be? Why do we pay more attention? You know, I know on my blog, you know, the one, you know, troll comment lasts with me much longer, right? Oh, always. Five people that say, this was a great article and all that. So, yeah. So if we want to really be satisfied in our work and in our relationships, we've got to fill it with, with positive emotion, with compliments, with support, with um, supportive touch, all that well, not at work, but in our relationships, yeah. because right, right, because yeah, at work you might get in trouble. Right, you might get in trouble to make up for the inevitable negative things that are going to happen throughout our day, and we can buffer ourselves by putting a lot of positives in there uh, for ourselves and for one another. You know that must that must be uh, in sync with our thinking as well, because one negative thought, one big negative thought, can mess up your day. And five positive thoughts maybe can put you back on track. Right. But, you have to really you know, overdo it on the positive in order to make up for it. Yeah. Know, and we, you know, I preach positive thinking all the time. It's so incredibly important. And if we can put thinking into this study as well, it's absolute proof that, you know, it's critical that you monitor your thinking and you change your positives, Absolutely. your negatives to positives. 
Absolutely. You know, uh, as adults, we often have a very low level of communication with ourselves going on constantly. And if we don't pay attention to, wait, what am I saying to myself? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, talking with Irene, but maybe in the back of my head, I'm thinking about something bad that happened or whatever. If I don't pay attention to that, that negative can really outweigh the positive because it's stuck in my head for more of the time than the positive. You know, you think about what happens in the workplace when you have a boss that's continuously critiquing in a negative way everything you do. That would certainly be motivation to get a new job. Well, we put that into the category of troubles. And yeah. if even if you value your job, even if you've contributed a lot to it, even if you don't think you have another choice, if there's enough troubles, you'll walk away anyway. And it's funny because as people who lead, you know, say somebody is a manager or a leader, we think, well, if I really, you know, beat, beat, <laughs> give, give them this feedback, the school of hard knocks style, you know, they'll shape up. Well, actually, they'll probably shape out, you know, yes. so it's like and, and just saying to them, hey, you guys should be more committed is not the way to do it. The way to do it is think, OK, am I giving them five times as much to value about being here? For every difficulty there is in being here? Am I getting them to contribute at a high level to this organization? Am I showing them that even though they have other choices, this is really the best choice? uh, And we talk about that in the workplace, but it applies to any kind of relationship, doesn't it? Well, there's wonderful research uh, from a researcher named um, Dr. Gottman, John Gottman, originally from um, University of Washington, and he was able to track couples that either stayed together, and and this is married couples, that either stayed together or divorced over time. So he'd actually track them over time. And what he looked at was how, what was the ratio of positive to negative when they're talking about an, an area of concern in their relationship? And for, so for some people, it was mostly negative, right? And then so for some people, they'd say something kind of negative, but then they'd say, but, you know, I really appreciate that we're blah, 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 whatever it might be. And that five to one ratio showed up where the people who were able to balance out the negative parts of the relationship with five times as much positive were significantly more likely to be married, you know, 10 years later. He tracked these couples for a very long time to see if this uh, data held, and it did. Yeah, you you wonder how marriages make it when you know they come home and they immediately start dumping their bad day on each other, or you know whatever. Right, exactly. That's that's trouble, right? That's, that's trouble. And it's okay to do that as long as you do five times as much positive, you know, somewhere in there. And unfortunately, some of those people who have to dump their negatives so quickly can't do the positive. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a recipe for, for, you know, something you'd want to work on. Let me just put it that way. That was some, yeah, definitely. One thing you said that really surprised me is this. You, you said that if a person has low commitment, they won't necessarily complain about the workplace. And we all usually think if you're not committed to it, you're going to grumble, grumble, grumble. But you say the opposite is true. Yeah, this was really fascinating research too. It looked for it looked at this was research that looked at how people communicated when they were highly committed versus they weren't very committed. And when we're really committed to something, and we're talking here about the workplace, we either have a tendency to just be totally totally faithful and we'll just, you know, I'm loyal and I'm following the party line and we'll do this, or we speak up for change. I'm committed and I'm so I'm going to complain. I'm going to say, "Look, I'm committed to being here, so these things need to change. We need to fix this. We need to work on this. When people had really low commitment, they were like, eh, why bother? 
You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be here that long anyway. I don't really care what happens. I'm distancing myself from this whole thing. And maybe some of us have felt that way, right? Where we're something, we're part of the neighborhood association or whatever it might be. And you just, you get to the point where you're like, I'm not even, I'm not even going to complain about it anymore. (laughs) Like my commitment is that low. And usually what follows that is, is leaving, right? So, so leaders and managers who get complaints from their employees there's a way to look at that in, that's really positive. You know, we usually we take that as a negative, but we can turn that into a positive by saying they wouldn't be complaining at all unless they were committed to being here exactly. and wanted to make it the best place it could be. Yeah. Doesn't that apply also to a relationship, a marriage? Honey, I love you more than anything in this world, and, and I don't want to be with anybody else. And it it would feel it feels to me that we need to have a little more fun together some you know some way now we're so work oriented absolutely Wouldn't you right. do that? good good so so there's two great things in what you just in that example you just gave one how you said it was critically important right you said i really love you i really value you wouldn't it be great if we had more fun are you in not how come you never take me out how come we never have any fun why are you always acting like such a slug you know or whatever right <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah you I know think i I've think i said those things yeah okay sure i'm sure we all have at some point but when you can frame it as a request for change to create something better that's it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a negative but the other thing that you pointed out just by saying that again it sounds like maybe you're not committed even if you said it in a bad way maybe it sounds like you're not committed but the person who's really losing their commitment have they've even given up on asking yes. you know what i mean i'm sure everybody can identify you get to that point in a relationship where the person is doing that thing that bothers you and you're just like not accepting now accepting is different like i accept this person does this thing and I accept that I'm bothered by it sometimes and I still love them and it's fine. That's, that's, that's being faithful. But that idea that, Oh, you know, I, I'm not even going to bother asking cause there's just, there's no point to this. There's no point. One of the things you talk about that, that I really appreciated is grit. Uh, you don't read much about grit and my mind immediately went to the movie true grit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Talk about the importance of grit in relationships in the workplace. What is grit? What do you mean by it? And and why do we need it? I am going to, but I have a cat meowing right outside my door. So well, just, I can hear the cat and thought it was outside my window. The cat doesn't bother us. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm at home. Um, now we have the cat with us. So, yeah, okay, so grit, perfect. So, you know, there are times where, we can be as committed as we want to be. We can be excited about what we're doing, but there really are challenges and there really are difficulties. And maybe it's taking us longer to get this thing done. You know, I deal with college students all the time and some of them can just get through their homework like that. And some of them have to really study and really kind of grit it out. But fortunately, the research shows that people who use their grit to, you know, get, you know, study or get through a problem or create something that aren't just naturally gifted, they do just as well as the people that are naturally gifted. And so I think we need to start celebrating grit. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, It it just, you know, would you consider that it's pretty much the same thing as resilience? Mm, I think it's close. They're not quite the same, but... It's not quite the same. I think that 
grit supported by resilience would be very helpful. Grit is the idea that I'm going to, I'm going to get up, I'm going to work at it. I'm going to, even if I have to work longer, even if I have to work harder, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do it. One of the great examples from the research were uh, spelling bee contestants. So grit in children is even important. And they found that, you know, they studied these kids that had either a high or more moderate level of verbal IQ and then how much time and effort they put into their studying. And the people who didn't have as high naturally verbal IQ but were willing to really be gritty and get up every day and study and study even more than the people with the high verbal IQ were just as successful in the spelling bee. And so you don't have to be, you know, this is like wonderful for most of us to hear, right? You don't have to be a gifted, you know, whatever, whatever to be truly successful in your life. That's very comforting. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, we're going to go to break. Stay tuned. We're going to be back with more with Heidi Reader in just a moment. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com It's time to access your magic. Tune in each week to Living in the Magic of Possibilities with your host, Glenice Hughes. Our topics cover finances, personal health, business, relationships, mediumship, and so much more. If you want to access all that is possible in your life, listen to Glenice and her expert guests who've turned the impossible into the possible. Living in the Magic of Possibilities is heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Want the inside scoop about what's going on in the social networks of art and entertainment? Tune in to Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com. We'll talk to the top professionals in the entertainment industry and find out what they're working on and what's next. Your host is James Barber, who has his finger on the pulse of the arts and entertainment world. Star Power Hour, brought to you by 4talent.com, live every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is theselfimprovementblog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to The Self-Improvement Show. My guest today is Heidi Reeder, and we've been having a delightful conversation about commitment. If you just got in on the show, I encourage you to start at the beginning and listen to the whole thing because Heidi has so much to tell us about commitment. One of the things that I found really interesting, Heidi, is your discussion about the difference between concrete and imaginary choices. I, when, I, when you talked about imaginary choices, I realized all of them <laughs> that I had made or that I still have, but I had never thought about it that way. Talk about uh, concrete and imaginary choices. Sure. So 
This goes under the category of those four factors that predict how committed we'll be. And one of the factors that predicts how committed we'll be to something, that is how attached, psychologically attached we'll be and how much we'll be intending to continue with something, whether it's a relationship or a job um, or a project or a goal, is whether we think we have other good or better choices than our current commitment. And if we think we don't have any other good choices, we're going to be more attached to that relationship or that job that we have versus if we do. Um, but as I was looking at the literature on the research in this area, it began to occur to me that sometimes we have an actual choice, like I'm at a job and all of a sudden someone comes along and says, well, you could join our company instead. Well, that's an actual choice shows up. And that could drastically change my commitment right there and then. Or we have imaginary choices, which, and this could be good or bad, which is the idea that, wait, I think there's a possibility that even though no one has come and offered me a job, it seems like there must be some other jobs out there. Now, if we're unhappy in a relationship, let's say we're in a relationship that is really not right for us, maybe there's some even abusive elements to it, um, we don't have another concrete option, nobody else has asked us out, it may be important to use our imagination and think there has to be something better than this, and I'm willing to just go on that gut feeling that there will be something out there, even though I don't see it. On the other hand, are there some people who never commit to anything because they're always in this fantasy world of imagining all these other options they could possibly have, and they never really you know, sit down and, and get really committed to what they have. So it can go both ways. And, and I think it'd be interesting for our listeners to think about their concrete and imaginary um, choices, their options there. One of the things I realized that I didn't give you an option for is to tell people how they can find you. And I'm sure that by now people are saying, how can I find, I want to know more. Or how can they find you on the internet and how can they find your book? Oh, sure. So my website is my name, which is Heidi Reader. So it's H-E-I-D-I and then Reader, R-E-E-D-E-R.com. Um, or if you just type in Dr. Heidi, if you can't remember Reader, just type in Dr. Heidi in Google and, and hopefully I will come up. Um, the book is Commit to Win. So if there's another Dr. Heidi out there, look for the one that does commitment. And then um, I'm on the Psychology Today website. I have a blog on Psychology Today called I Can Relate. It's the joys and challenges of relating with others. So if you can't remember my name, you can hopefully remember I Can Relate. And you can type that in um, to psychologytoday.com and find me there. Fantastic. And I know your book is on Amazon. Oh, sure. It's on Amazon and it's also in Barnes and Nobles uh, pretty, pretty much everywhere, I think. Super. And I'll have, you know, you'll, you can see the review of that book on my blog. What we did skip in the beginning is what is Success Tracks? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Success Tracks is an organizational training company that I started, uh, I can't remember the year that I started, 10, 10 years ago, I'll just say that. That sounds about right. Um, and I do a keynote um, and also organizational training workshops for organizations that are interested in areas dealing with conflict, dealing with commitment and gaining commitment from a workforce uh, that have to do with the mindset that we have in the organization and how the mindset really matters. And I'm trying to think. I'm trying to, trying to think I would think most companies could use your services. And, and what I'm going to is how on earth do you do all of these things? I just can't 
quite figure out how, how you can stretch so far. But I see that we're right up to the end of the show. So what's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Well, if I could just ask one thing would be to just have people really start to consider what are they committed to, not what are they obligated to, not what are they burdened with, but what are they really committed to? What is their life about? And I think that when we can make that, bring that into our awareness, then we can start to structure our lives in order to support that commitment in significant ways. And what's next for Heidi Reader? Well, it looks like I'm getting a chance to work on a book next about uh, about conflict and in particular about how we can deal with conflict on the inside. So not just external strategies, but internal strategies for dealing with the difficult things in our lives. You're talking about inside me, not yeah. inside my organization? Inside me, Right. Oh, when you get that book done. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you know. (laughs) You let me know. We'll have you back on this show for sure. Um, I have to admit that I got the cue a little wrong, so we still have a couple minutes to talk, which is delightful to me. Uh, We talked a little bit about the action plan Actually, you know, if you got the book and you just wanted the action plan, it's so clear and so complete that you could really figure a lot of things out by the action plan. Uh, Is that a true statement or is that just my take on it? Uh, I try to make them as complete as possible. So I did a workshop on uh, commitment and I had the participants use an action plan at the end of it and they had not read the book because the book wasn't out yet. And they were able to do that. Yeah, they were able to just follow the plan and say, okay, let me ask myself, what do I really value about this? What's difficult about it? What have I already given? What are my other options? And then start making some choices um, in order to increase a commitment or in some cases to decrease a commitment. You know, we don't often think about the fact that, you know, sometimes to get a good commitment, you have to really learn to let go of another commitment. And so I think those action plans can stand on their own. The book part is about the research and about, I think people find when they read the book that they get to reflect on, oh, that's why I was so committed to that one thing. Oh, that's why I was never committed to that. And it helps us make make sense of ourselves and and the decisions that we've made. Yeah, I don't know whether you had a particular audience in mind when you wrote this book, but my take on it is that it's good for anybody. We all make commitments of one kind or the other. And sometimes you wonder, why on earth did I say yes? What's my commitment? Why did I do that? What's this about? And this book really clarifies that. And, And it's not... You know, the one thing, Heidi, that I really commend you for, you don't talk down to the readers, but you don't boggle them and, well, I don't want to say the B word, but you, you, you don't boggle them, as you said, with jargon. You know, it's interesting. You have interesting examples. You make it clear and we can all say, oh, yeah, I get it. Well, I did, I did want to write it for the, the typical person. You know, there's a lot of people that really like reading nonfiction. They like reading books that help them learn about themselves and, you know, why, why do I do the things I do? Why do the people around me do the things I do? 
And lately there's been a pretty good trend toward having that information be based on solid research. Um, but if nobody can understand the research, then it doesn't help anybody. So no. I'm happy to be that kind of liaison, I guess, between the journals that you know can be overwhelming to me sometimes and to the, the reading audience that just wants good info. Exactly. The book is Commit to Win by Heidi Reader. Next week's guest is David Mezapel, who's going to talk about contagious optimism so we can commit and then we can get really excited about our commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Irene. I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, give your cat a pet and... uh, Thank you so much. This is Irene Conlon with my guest Heidi Reeder saying thank you so much for being with us today and come back next week for more of The Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for The Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.